0: This is The Rundown. Rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station.
1: Live from the Auction Community Studios for the next two hours. It is The Rundown. Luke Lipinski here. Cody Fincher, the bear, behind the glass. (laughs) Right off the top. I don't know what you have on in the control room, Bear, but uh, one of the TVs, the one I'm directly facing in the studio, is a replay of Game 6 of the World Series last night. So oh, I get to... Uh, is it
2: going to end differently?
1: <laughs> well, it depends. Is Kevin Cash going to keep his starting pitcher in oh, when he's... Dude,
2: oh my gosh.
1: ...feeling? That's where we're starting tonight. We, we have we have to. I know that there's it's football season now and exclusively football season, and trust me, there will be plenty of football tonight, uh, certainly... Heading towards the weekend and then, you know, next week, a ton because we're heading towards the return of the Cardinals, but also the start of Pac-12 football. But we got to start with that baseball game last night, a game that um, what, final score 3-1. Is that the, the most anticlimactic ending to a 3-1 World Series deciding game? Like you would think 3-1, to one, OK, that's, you know, it's going to be a close. It must have gone back and forth. Once Blake Snell left the game, everybody knew what was going to happen. And I know that there's you can't you cannot find people agreeing on anything on Twitter. When Kevin Cash walked out to the mound and pulled Blake Snell when he had given up two hits and had thrown less what 72 pitches, nine strikeouts, it was the sixth inning. People were actually agreeing on Twitter that it was a terrible move. Now, of course, after the fact, when it when it was proven to be a terrible move. You have the contrarian audience that's like, well, it's all about the numbers. Actually, it's all about winning the World Series. One of the most, and I'm always careful with this stuff because I'm obviously not a major league manager. Kevin Cash knows more about baseball and managing than I do. So I feel weird sometimes when you're sitting in this seat second-guessing other people making tough decisions, controversial decisions in pressure situations. But that wasn't controversial. It was just a horrible call in real time. It took six pitches essentially for the Dodgers to jump all over Nick Anderson. He's not a bad pitcher, but he has not been a good pitcher in the playoffs. And it doesn't even matter. Blake Snell was dealing. Blake Snell didn't he win the Cy Young two years ago? I mean, this is not like some fluky. Oh, this guy can't go more than three innings. He's a, we're, this is a bullpen day or something. This this is your best pitcher pitching lights out giving you, by the way, exactly what you needed if you were Tampa Bay. Your only chance to come back and beat the Dodgers down 3-2 in that series, a Dodgers team that's payroll is like higher than the entire city of Tampa, your only chance of coming back and winning was getting a masterful pitching performance, and Blake Snell is at the top of that list of most likely candidates to do it, and you ended it yourself. The next three batters were the when they pulled Snell. What was it? It was Austin Barnes, like just a bloop single. I don't know how. I don't know has as Snell or any pitcher on the Rays, you can feel comfortable pitching like that when you know you have to look over your shoulder because you gave up a bloop single, and that's going to mean your night's over.
2: It's happened to him in in multiple games yeah. this postseason, yes. where. He, he gives up a single or a walk, and Kevin Cash sprints to the mound and takes him out. And it's like, dude, the, I'm all for analytics. So I. I think they are a huge part of sports. But at some point, you have to take your eyes off the computer screen and look at what's happening on the field. Blake Snell was dominating the Dodgers. The next three hitters after Barnes singled were Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, and Justin Turner, yep. who were 0-6 in the game. With six strikeouts. With six strikeouts. Yeah. Mookie Betts hasn't hit lefties all postseason, and the Dodgers as a team haven't hit lefties this entire postseason. And then Kevin Cash saying after the game, I didn't want uh, Mookie, Seager, and Turner seeing Snell a third time. What?
1: It, it just, it, it's absolutely mind-numbing. You're about to lose the World Series. You know, there are times when you see somebody screw up on the biggest stage, and you're like, ah, I feel sorry for that. Like a kicker missing a, a field goal that could win the Super Bowl or something. Or, you know, whatever. Some, you know, even Kyle Shanahan, you know, when, when Atlanta had that 28-3 lead over the Patriots. But i got to be honest, I don't feel that bad for Kevin Cash right now. That was, like you. I 'm all for analytics, and I know there's that crowd that's like analytics has no place in sports, and it's usually the old school guys that played or coached back you know in the '80s or 90s or whatever. I, I am not of that mindset at all. Analytics absolutely has a place probably in baseball more than any of them, but I mean i 've seen firsthand how it can help in hockey, and I, I know it helps uh, in the other sports as well, it's simply because if it's a tool that's out there and your opponents are using it and you're not well then you're falling behind you're giving your opponents a competitive a- advantage. But when it's when you follow it like a cult, you're giving your opponents a competitive advantage the other way. They talked to Mookie Betts after the game. They talked to, to Cody Bellinger. And they both essentially said what we were all thinking. Thank you. <laughs> the second Kevin Cash took Tampa's best player out of the game, the Dodgers lit up and they won the game. It, 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 you could...
2: It took like two minutes, and it and it wasn't like Tampa Bay's offense was doing anything in that game besides a Rosarena. This entire postseason, yeah. basically, is how that's been summed. And he had up. the only run last. He night had the only day. run. He had a home run in the first inning, and the rest of Tampa Bay's offense hadn't really done much. And it's not like so so taking him out. I. I don't even get it from that standpoint because your offense was giving you nothing
1: I know and look the Diamondbacks I mean they have never done anything this egregious but they have they have their their plan that they follow and a lot of a lot of baseball teams now you know are, are all in on analytics and again I get it to a certain extent but the problem is if you're just going to follow a script every game then I can manage the team I can read your script for the game if you've decided going in that no matter what Blake Snell's coming out around 75 pitches, you have eliminated a way you can beat the Dodgers. And like I said, the Rays don't have a lot of ways they can beat the Dodgers. But one of them was, hey, our starting pitcher is just unhittable tonight. And he was. They got what they needed, and they ended it themselves. That's and, – and, and then you lose the World Series because of it instantaneously. I, I just you – can, you can come back at me all – over and over again, with, well, the numbers say this or the numbers say that. That's fine in game 68 in the middle of June. You have to be able to adjust when it's the World Series and it's your seasons on the line for it to just be so automatic of, well, Snell gave up a hit. That's two tonight and he's almost, almost to 75 pitches. Guess he's coming out.
2: It didn't look like they thought about it. If this was the strategy that they had been following all playoffs, then I would say, okay, that's how Tampa does things. They're going to stick to their guns. You can't change who you are that quickly. But in game one, Kevin Cash leaves Tyler Glasnow out there when he clearly doesn't have it, and he throws over 100 pitches. He walks six guys. So what's what's the difference here?
1: I, I don't understand why Blake Snell would want to come back next season.
2: I, I said I, I tweeted immediately immediately after the 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 lead was blown. Yeah. Blake Snell should demand a trade <laughs> because there's oh, no yeah. way he can believe in what that team is doing.
1: <laughs> you and I were texting at that point that he basically should demand a trade in the middle of the game or that Kevin Cash should just be relieved of his duties in the seventh inning of the game. I just, I I can't believe it. I don't really care. Like I know everybody here dislikes the Dodgers. Everybody here hates the Dodgers. I don't like the Dodgers, but I don't really care when it's Dodgers raise in the World Series who wins. And it still hurt my head to watch it unfold like that. And trust me, we'll get back into this throughout the show because I have a lot of A lot more to say about it. But right now, let's get into the rundown rapid reaction. The rundown rapid reaction. reaction.
0: Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. Well, over to football,
1: where Kyler Murray has won NFC Offensive Player of the Week for the second time in the last three weeks. That's a pretty good sign if you're doing that ever let alone uh, not even at the halfway point of your second year in the uh, in the NFL. So his um, his efforts and look, I mean, the bigger reward was beating Seattle certainly, but his efforts recognized. You can see it, and we'll get into this later on in the show too. The national attention has the spotlight has shifted to the Cardinals a lot more than it, it was when they were four and two and had just beat Dallas, which I guess says a lot about about Dallas because everybody kind of looked at that and, and look I mean last Tuesday Cardinals beat Dallas they hammer them on Monday Night Football the night before all the talk nationally was what's wrong with Dallas you beat the Seahawks on Sunday Night Football there's a lot more focus suddenly coming towards Arizona and I want to see how they handle it when they come out of the bye week you know 10 days from now when they're taking on the uh, the Miami Dolphins 11 days from now but uh, but for now, I mean, you gotta enjoy it if you're a Cardinals fan, right? This is this is why you're a fan. You want your team to get to the top of the mountain, and they're not there yet, obviously. But everybody's talking about them today and and early this week as okay, you gotta look out for this team. You have to. And honestly, they're five and two. You got to win four more games probably to make the playoffs this season. They should do that. I, they look like an eleven and five team to me. But uh, Kyler Murray certainly at the forefront of that. They did sign Josh Morrow today from the uh, Jacksonville practice squad, the former Arizona Cardinal. They also signed running back Kalfani Muhammad and uh, linebacker Daniel Wise to their practice squad. Back to Major League Baseball. The Blake Snell thing is, is still the, the image I'm going to take from, from that game last night, but it wasn't the weirdest thing. The weirdest thing was Justin Turner getting pulled mid game because of a positive COVID test. That in itself, I, I didn't understand. Like, how do you not? How does the guy play and then you find out mid game and he gets pulled? I, I, have we seen this all season? And then he's on the field with no mask at the end celebrating that they won. I just. I, I don't know. I don't get it. I, I tweeted out after the game before all this happened, or before I saw that part. You know, it's remarkable we got through this baseball season three months ago, late July. The Marlins weren't playing games. We weren't sure how they were even going to play their 60-game season. The, The Blue Jays were playing in Buffalo. We didn't even know where the Marlins were going to play, if they could even stay in Miami. The Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals, started to have issues with it. It was remarkable we finished this season And, you know, we finished it with probably the two best teams meeting in the World Series, too. So I don't even think there's an asterisk next to the the Dodgers winning. But then you have a guy that tests positive and gets pulled mid-game. So, essentially, it's you can't be out there standing alone at your infield post because you tested positive, but somehow we didn't know before the game. So you can't be out there like that, in, in that capacity... But go ahead and run out there and hug everybody and, and and high five and all that stuff to celebrate a World Series. I know Rob Manfred and, and, and look, <laughs> I understand most people want to want to blame Manfred for everything. This one, I, I guess until we find out more, I'm going to put the blame on Justin Turner. It sounds like he just took off and ran back out there. Manfred certainly threw him under the bus, though, in his uh, in his statement. And it's funny, too. I was trying to search for Manfred's statement right before the show started because, you know, switch over in the studios and everything. And it instantly pulled one up. But it was from July saying, I don't know how we're going to pull this season off. <laughs>
2: That's about sums it up. Yeah, that really the does. The fact that they are getting COVID-19 tests back after the game started yeah, then just speaks point? to how poor baseball's handled the protocols. Well, cuz that's the other side of it, right? I mean, and it might not be their fault. It might be the lab that they're using yeah. got delayed or something, but still, how do you not have those tests before the game starts? They they got so much better as the season wore on.
1: But then they had their worst moment in terms of COVID at the end of the season. Like it, it's it's the or two to close out the season. And look, even if Justin Turner doesn't run back out
2: there on the field, he still played the first 6 innings of the game. Sat in the dugout. High five, guys! In it's, the clubhouse, got dressed, you know, when all I, that stuff.
1: The first time I saw the the team photo of him, or the team photo of the Dodgers with him in it, I thought somebody had photoshopped it. And then I was like, because
2: he's like right in the middle, yeah, it's, it's like, hilarious. Hold on,
1: everybody, everybody, uh, everybody, gather around Justin Turner and see what happens. Just un- unbelievable. Um, just as your update on on the replay, I'm watching. It's one uh, nothing Rays. Bottom of the fourth wonder if they'll hold on. Blake Snell looks... Oh, I wonder how really long well.
2: Blake Snell's going to go in this game. i got
1: to be honest. He's only throwing 43 pitches so far, bottom of the fourth. I think he could probably throw the, the full nine innings, you know, at least until proven otherwise, until the Dodgers do something. Uh, finally, too, here before we hit the break, NCAA football, Big Ten football, Wisconsin, Nebraska canceled this weekend. They don't have any buffer zone because they started late and everything, and the way the schedule's set up, similar to the way the Pac-12 will be set up when it starts next weekend. So that game just gets canceled. They can't move it. Um, and, and this goes back to what I've been saying all along. I think if you're going to put an asterisk next to a, a champion in 2020, it's going to your your best um, case for that is college football because you have some teams. Not like I think Wisconsin or Nebraska was going to win the title this year. But everything is so uneven in college football, and those two teams just lose a game completely. All right, when we come back, I mentioned before, Cardinals getting more and more good national attention, not just individual awards, but a lot of praise from media and fans around the country. We'll discuss it next. It's The Rundown with Luke Wapinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.
0: The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.
1: Got to say, it's even more maddening re-watching the game. And then on the second TV in here, I have uh, Seahawks Cardinals, which is going to be a release. Although, I just watched Tyler Lockett score another touchdown. But I- I'm telling you, Cody, I'm, I, as I re-watch it now, bottom of the fourth, Rays Dodgers. like The Dodgers just look... Is worried the right word? They just look like... Like, they just showed Mookie Betts in the dugout after he struck out again. I was just going
2: to say that. <laughs> I remember that shot last time. Like, Mookie looks bewildered. Yeah, Like, he has no idea what's coming up at they, the plate right they now. They
1: have that... He at least had that look on his face like, I don't know that we're getting to this guy tonight. We may need to win Game 7.
2: I saw a tweet that when Blake Snell was pulled from the game... That someone saw Mookie Betts visibly grin Yeah Like and just let out A big smile That he was coming out Of the game And yeah He should have He essentially
1: said it When they asked him After the game And Mookie Betts Is is all class By the way Thanks Boston For handing the Dodgers The World Series Oh don't
2: even get me Started on the Red Sox I don't That's Stupidity.
1: They wouldn't have got past the Braves if they didn't have Mookie Betts. They were down 3-1 as it was. I don't think they would have gotten even to the World Series without him. But, but either way, he's a classy guy. And you could tell when they asked him, he, he, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he was essentially like, I don't want to talk about how another team is running their team. I don't want to tell the Rays how they run their team. But he was like, we, we didn't expect it, and we were really thankful. And when they asked Cody Bellinger a little bit later, in his Cody Bellinger type way, he just kind of laughed. <laughs> like, yeah, thanks, you know basically did the Dodgers' job for them. There's no other way I can say it. And and look, I don't want to get so caught up in it and say, like, well, if they leave Blake Snell and the Rays win the World Series. No, well, I mean, maybe maybe they do get to him. I don't think they were going to last night, or at least not that inning. Maybe in the 8th or the ninth, they would have gotten to him. Or maybe he pitches a complete game shutout, and the Dodgers win tonight. You know, it, it, it's not as cut and dry as you leave him and you win the World Series. But come on, man. Like, what what are you doing? What? Anyway, this isn't even a baseball segment. We'll get back into that later on. Uh, To the Cardinals, who are on TV number two in here. This is great. I'm like rewatching the entire week. Kyle Brandt, NFL Network, had this to say about Arizona this morning.
3: Great offense, top 10 defense. It's only getting better. Mike, you talked about this looming factor with San Francisco about they're not dead yet. Arizona also has this, we're young, we're kind of crazy teenagers, and when we start believing in ourselves, yeah. we are going to blow you away. It's their defense that makes them yeah. scary. Three interceptions from the MVP front runner is no damn fluke on national television. I think it's Arizona right now. Most impressive win of the season, maybe, over Seattle. Well, there's a couple things in there. One, as far as the interceptions.
1: And that was kind of funny, wasn't it? On on Sunday and into early Monday, it was like, well, you know, they caught Russell Wilson on a bad night. They intercepted Russell Wilson. It's not like he handed them the ball three times. Maybe they just made some good plays. I will grant you the Isaiah Simmons interception and, and great instincts by him. It's probably one Russell Wilson won him back. I mean, I, and the same with the Patrick Peterson one, but it's not as as simple as like, oh, Russell Wilson had a bad game and that's why they won. Now, the Cardinals defense was a big part of that. And... What he said there earlier, and, and I'll play another clip right here that, that sort of reinforces it. If you weren't a fan of any NFL team, if you just loved the NFL, if you just played fantasy football but you didn't have a team that you really were, that you followed closely or you were emotionally invested in, you start to look around the league and I said, who are the, who are the scariest teams for the next, let's not know, three years? I mean, you'd say the Chiefs, certainly, with that offense, I'm sure there's a couple other teams. I'm, I'm kind of. I mean, I don't know. Some the 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 other good teams are kind of towards the end of their curve, like Steelers and the Packers, and I guess I mean the Ravens are scary, but Cardinals just put up what 75 points in the last two weeks, and it still doesn't really totally feel like they're firing on all cylinders. In terms of just the ceiling is kind of scary here. The Cardinals are on the very short list of those teams. Uh, Here's more from Kyle Brandt.
3: And here's why I think Arizona is scary. They got the offense to go against Seattle. They got the offense to go against anybody. We know that. We know they got the firepower. And breaking news in the NFC West, this connection is only to get it better. This connection is still in utero. They've known each other for a matter of weeks. When they get to November and December, DeAndre and Kyler are going to be even better. Dan Arnold's showing up, of course. Could practically finish my sentence. But here's the difference. They have the offense to keep up with Seattle. They got the defense to stop Seattle. Do you know last year the Arizona Cardinals had the worst defense in all of football? They were 32. You know where they are this year? They're 10. They're top 10.
1: I think if you're just going specifically Cardinals and Seahawks, why the Cardinals are scary is that outside of, of Russell Wilson, the Seahawks have noticeable holes. Like they've, they've got some legitimately great players, Bobby Wagner and DK Metcalf. And I mean, they, they are a very good team, don't get me wrong. But there are, are pretty significant holes that Russell Wilson makes up for. On a weekly basis, and that's fine it's this is not like it's it's not some fluke where Mitchell trubisky is is bringing the team back from down seventeen in the fourth quarter every week because they're playing a bad team and he's throwing passes are getting tipped to his players in the end, so it's Russell Wilson like you know he can bring his team back under pretty much any circumstances, but the Cardinals, at least between those two teams, I like their defense a lot better than Seattle's. And I like a lot of the, the, the weapons that they are, are putting together on offense. I, I just, they're, they're a scary team. They, that, that really is a great way to say it. Not that they're going to go on some crazy run and get to the Super Bowl this year. But they're one of the few teams in the league that you look at and you're like, I don't really know what their ceiling is. They're 5-2 and two, and we just know their ceiling is higher. It doesn't guarantee, everything's not linear. That doesn't guarantee the next year seven games in they're going to be 7-0. But it's nice to have a team that already has a really good record in, in year two of this, this project. And the ceiling, you really can't see it yet. And Think about it. I mean, going into last season, into the 2019 season, people were looking and saying it's going to take years to turn it around after what it was with, uh, with Josh Rosen and Steve Wilkes. And it, it hasn't. It has taken year to turn it around. So <laughs> it could not be going any better in that regard. couple quick NFL notes trade deadline coming up and clearly uh, pass rushers are in high demand Cardinals in theory got theirs with Marcus Golden he kind of got lost in the shuffle because they got him after the Giants game last Thursday night uh, before the Cardinals game against Seattle on Sunday night but they couldn't play him because he had already played technically once in in week seven Uh, but they'll have him going forward that's huge Seattle is in desperate need of a of a pass rush and they got Carlos Dunlap from the Cincinnati Bengals who has been been really good in the past and we'll see what he's able to bring to Seattle but uh but that's another team. You know, the Seahawks don't have a ton of draft capital left in the coming years but that's also a team who is in the middle of their window right now to win Super Bowls so they uh it's I, I don't know if going out and trading for Carlos Dunlap is considered going all in but you certainly you certainly put uh, you push some of your chips to the middle of the table anytime you get a chance. Right now, if you are Seattle, even though from the Seahawks' perspective, you're in the NFC West too. And for as you know, you go six weeks into the season where you're undefeated. They had a bye week, so they were five and oh six weeks in. They lose one game at the end of overtime, and they're a half game out of dropping all the way to third, <laughs> and only a game and a half up on fourth in the division. Uh also the Super Bowl, NFL is um pretty intent on having twenty percent capacity at the game. Masks are mandatory, twenty percent fan capacity at the game. That's gonna be one. You know, we got through the bubble in the NBA and we got through the bubble in the NHL and you know, even the, the major league baseball's version of a bubble. And it was noticeable that you didn't have fans, but you kind of got lulled into it after a while, especially in the NBA and the NHL, because it was the same background over and over again. But not having any fans at the Super Bowl, that's going to be weird. So having 20% is at least something. That seems to be their plan right now with uh, with masks mandatory. All right, when we come back, analytics a big part of Major League Baseball. Some experts think after last night, that uh, that whole school of thought is going to take a big hit going forward. We'll discuss it next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station
0: keeping it live and local with Luke Lipinski on The Rundown 98.7 FM Arizona's Sports Station
3: Welcome
1: back to the show on this fine Wednesday evening Luke Lipinski here, Cody Fincher the bear behind the glass, we're going to talk to Kellen Olsen shortly, kind of mix it up and do a little uh, basketball in here too, the Suns just had a, a Zoom call, the draft is only three weeks away but And that was going to be a big focus of ours this week And then the Cardinals went out there and had that dramatic win over the Seahawks And of course the World Series ended last night In such strange fashion Which in a way is fitting For 2020 And I'm looking forward to 2021 For a lot of reasons But uh, Pretty high on the list is People can't blame everything on the year at that point point. And it's only Two months away A little over two months. There's stuff going on next week, too, I think. I don't know. I've heard something. Walking around the newsroom, people seem to be stressed out about something that's happening next week. We're just going to focus on baseball here. And Tim Kirkton. Please. Please.
2: Did you get any texts in the last five minutes? I did, actually. I need those. Stop immediately. (laughs) Hello. This is Bob. Are you planning on voting? None of your business. Yeah,
1: Bob. Random number robot. Uh, I can tell you, I voted three weeks ago, and I'm still getting the texts. So, that's oh, so voting doesn't even help. Okay, yeah, great. So I'm like, well, I, I, mean, I can't vote more than once. <laughs> Bob, if that is your real name, uh, Tim Kirkjian says he, and this is Tim Kirkjian too. I mean, it's the guy that's around the game all day, every. I think Tim Kirkjian uh, was born on a baseball field. I can't prove it, but I feel like it's probably true says he's worried about Major League
2: Baseball right now. Yeah, I'm worried about our game. We have lost a feel for the game. We have stopped watching the games. In this postseason, relief pitchers threw more innings than our starting pitchers threw. We have lost the value of our starting pitchers. There is no way that a guy who faced 18 batters tonight, struck out nine of them, had one hard-hit ball, should be taken out. Nick Anderson is a great relief pitcher. He allowed one inherited run the whole season, but he allowed three in the postseason. And he set a major league record for most postseason appearances in a row, allowing a run seven. He's not the same guy. We have stopped watching the game. And Kevin Cash is going to get killed for this and rightfully so. But it's the front office of the Rays and the front office everywhere that has lost track of how the game should be played. I'm sorry. I give up. This is too much now.
1: The stat on, uh, I mean, there's a lot of stats on Blake Snell, but one of the ones I saw, he's the second pitcher in the last 20 postseasons to be pulled with nine strikeouts and less than 75 pitches thrown. And again, the one through three hitters for the Dodgers, who and might be the best one through three in all of baseball. They were 0 for 6 with six strikeouts. It's what you want from your team. It's what makes the baseball playoffs magical. Is that a pitcher could just, or, or, you know, even if it's not a pitcher, an unsung hero can step up. If you script everything out and you you kill that ability for something magical to happen, then you deserve to lose. Difference in that game last night was Blake Snell was absolutely dealing, he was exactly what the Rays needed. He was, he was their prayers answered going into that game. Down 3-2 against a better team, a better lineup at least, than the Dodgers. You need your starting pitcher to essentially steal you a game. Because, Cody, like you said earlier, Randy Arena and basically nobody else. Manuel Margot, a little bit. Those are the only guys hitting for the Rays. So you knew you needed to win a game probably 2-1. to one to force a Game 7, and then at that point, you hope maybe the Dodgers get in their own head about, you know, it's the World Series and they can't win in the World Series, whatever, maybe you get to Kershaw, who knows? But you needed your pitcher to come in and steal a game last night, and he was doing it, and you pulled him because that's what the numbers say to do. So I will reiterate my earlier stance, which has been my stance all along on analytics. They're a valuable tool. You have to use them, otherwise you are giving the your opponents a huge advantage because... You're just burying your head in the sand. I'm I'm not I'm not in that old school class where it's like, nope, analytics are evil, they're witchcraft. But if you just completely take the human element out and just completely stop thinking for yourself, then you get what happened last night. The Rays pulled their pitcher, and then, you know, just to sort of drive the point home, Dave Roberts did not pull Julio Urias at the end of the game. He didn't he wasn't like, well, Canley Jansen's our closer. We have to go to him. He was thinking something along the lines of, hey, this pitcher's dealing, and we can win the World Series if we let him keep dealing.
2: There are almost no rules in the World Series. Like like you said, the Dodgers would have gone to Kenley Jansen at that point in the regular season or maybe earlier in the playoffs, right? But last night, they're trying to win the World Series. You go with the hot hand. Blake Snell was the hot hand for the Rays. Yeah. And I'm like you, I don't want to be those old guys uh, sitting around Billy Bean in moneyball saying, "Well, the guy's got an ugly girlfriend that means he's got no confidence, <laughs> blah 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 blah. I don't want to be that guy, but there has to be a balance, I feel like, and there has to be a point where Kevin Cash had to look at Blake Snell and think, "Wow, this guy's untouchable right now. How am I how how can I justify pulling this guy out right now? You have to be able to adjust." Moneyball's on Netflix right now, by the way. I'm oh, I've watched it, it. twice.
1: Yeah. See, I read the book. I've read the, uh, the Cubs Way. That's a good book. That's a really, and that's obviously all about Theo Epstein and, and analytics. It's not just analytics, but like, I'm all in on analytics, but you have to be able to adjust. And I'm not all in in the sense that you do it 100%. I don't think you should ever do anything 100% when you're trying to run a, a baseball team or a sports organization. You need to, you need to be able to, to, like, this is the crazy thing. And I thought as I watched the Dodgers win the World Series last night, No matter what, going into that game last night, Kevin Cash had decided no matter what, Blake Snell wasn't throwing a complete game shutout before the game even started. So you, like I said, you've eliminated a way that you can win when you desperately needed a win. And to your point, the rules should really just go out the window in the World Series. We've seen it in the past. You'll see, I mean, Madison Bumgarner, those years when the Giants won the World Series, and he was it felt like he was pitching every game. Kevin Cash must have turned those games off he must have been like this is ridiculous they're winning but the numbers are going to be thrown off it's like it's like taking that stance of like okay I'm going to be a hard worker and that's how I'm going to make a living and somebody hands you the winning lottery ticket and you're like yeah but but I already said I I was going to work hard like you wouldn't take the lottery ticket and maybe at least take the money and you can give some of it away if you want I just I'm I'm so baffled by what I Blake Snell was
2: the lottery ticket and Kevin Cash just tore it in half yeah in
1: front of everybody, and Blake Snell's reaction, <laughs> which I'm about to, to re-watch here, and uh, it's the
2: bottom of the fifth on the replay Three, of this TV. Three, two, one. Yeah. I don't know how he can show up to spring training next year and look Kevin Cash in the eye. How? It's,
1: I, I don't know. I, I, it had to be such, you know how they, every time we do an interview in the uh, the losing clubhouse or the losing locker room after a championship or a playoff series ends and it's like so quiet, that one must have been, you could have heard a pin drop.
2: It's going to be a really interesting off season for Blake Snow because he likes to stream video gaming a lot, <laughs> and he's going to say something. He's going to say something on one of those streams. I'm surprised he didn't really say anything last night. You could tell, like, he stormed off, as he should have. I think he walked, like, to the tunnel. He probably... Most a lot of tunnels have that like tire that's like taped to the wall and pe- players can just go beat it with a bat yeah. when they're pissed off <laughs> I'm that's sure got, he did something like that that's gotta be the worst job for that tire like all your friends get to be on like
1: nice cars and you're just the tire that hangs in the, the dugout and gets beaten with bats he, Snell walked and then he came back, you could tell he was like trying to be a good teammate and at that point they were still winning one <laughs> but for like another 30 seconds it's you know, it's one thing if, it, you know, there, you, you look back and you see in World Series history or even, in, I mean, there's, there's a Stanley Cup where a guy scored in his own net. There's, there's certainly like the Buckner play. The Buckner play is a great example. That ball's hit to him. It's a ball he should be able to field, but he's human. And sometimes you make an error. But the stuff last night with the Rays, they decided to do it. It would be like if Buckner's like, no, nah, I want to end this World Series on a, on a line drive. So I'm going to let this one roll between my legs. Like, I can I can accept the human error. The guy couldn't get his glove on the ball. Uh, I could even accept the, you know, you're, you're second-guessing now, like, oh, they left that guy too in the, in too long. They should have brought so-and-so in. or They should have brought... Like, then you're starting to get into some subjective, you think they should have done this, this option. They had, like, nine options, and you're saying that they should have gone to this guy in the bullpen to face... Whatever. All he had to do last night was leave his starting pitcher in. I don't even know why I care. I don't even like the Rays. I mean, I
2: don't... Dislike the Rays. I don't. I don't care about the Rays either. But I. I dislike the Dodgers so much, and it felt like not that they didn't earn it because they won the game. They did. They can't help that Kevin Cash went out there and pulled Blake Snell. But it felt like Kevin Cash just took the trophy and said, "Here you go. Yeah, here it is."
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they're gonna have to live with that one for uh, a while because as good as. As good as Tampa is during the regular season, and I fully understand a lot of that is because of their somewhat unorthodox approach, where, I mean, they were the first team really to have an opener, and, and they do weird stuff with their pitching, and I I fully get the, this is how Tampa got here. I get that. But Game 6 of the World Series, again, is different than a game in the middle of August. Over the course of 162 games, the, quote, mathematically right decision is going to to pay off if it really is the mathematically right decision on any one of those given nights though i'm sure if they didn't if it didn't happen this year it's happened in years past where it's like okay maybe conventional wisdom or maybe just watching the game you would have done this but the you know the, the numbers said to do this and we lost but over 162 games it's going to work out in your favor when it's one game on a tuesday night at the end of october and you're facing the dodgers and I don't even want to think now what's going to happen now that the Dodgers have finally won their World Series. I mean, are they going to do it again now as if, like the floodgates opened? Mookie Betts being on L.A. is like. For what? For
2: Alex Verdugo, who's like an OK prospect. Yep. That's I. I've told you before, I have friends that are Dodger fans. They don't and sound I like real s- friends. I, <laughs> I said I can't. I can't believe I have to watch Mookie Betts in a Dodger uniform for the next twelve years because the Boston Red Sox, who have a lot of money Mm -hmm. because they're one of the big in the biggest markets, they are one of the oldest teams that have a huge fan base. They decided, oh, we 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 want to save some money. That so let's trade our best player. And a salary dump with David Price to the Dodgers for not even one of their top prospects. Mookie Betts is a top three player in baseball, and, and he I, was yeah. when, when the trade happened. They, I mean, yes, the, the trade happened less he, than a year ago. He didn't become this all of a sudden this year. Yeah. He was he won the MVP award two yeah. years ago in the American League in the American League where Mike Trout also plays. Correct, and it wasn't
1: it wasn't a bad decision that he won the MVP. So it, it's not like they were they just gave it to him and they should have given it to Trout. Like Mookie Betts was already a great player, and yeah. Even if you're going to trade them
2: even if you're going to be cheap, why wouldn't you like sort of have a bidding war for Mookie Betts? <laughs> Just... The Red Sox completely mismanaged their contracts. They gave, well, at the time it was a good idea to pay J.D. Martinez what they paid him. Yeah, but then they paid Chris Sale a bunch of money, and after he got hurt, and I don't understand it.
1: Didn't uh, terrible? Didn't the Cubs are the ones that drafted Betts, right? I think they are actually the ones that draft. Maybe I'm no, wrong on that. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. It was, it was, yeah. It was when Theo was in Boston.
2: That's mm-hmm. why. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it makes it even worse. Actually, the contingent that runs the Diamondbacks were a big part of yeah. drafting Mookie Betts. A lot of them were there.
1: And uh, we will get into certainly over the next week or so how it impacts the D backs now that they have the defending World it Series. It impacts charges. it poorly. And <laughs> well, there goes next week's Poorly. Sure. <laughs> All right, when we come back, we are going to switch gears to basketball, Though L.A. won that title, too. But we're going to talk to what? our own Kellen no, Olsen no. next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station and the home of the Suns. Home of the Suns. We're checking in with Suns nerd Kellen Olsen on the Rundown.
1: We are checking in with Kellen Olsen. Kellen Olsen is here in studio. Finally.
4: It's been l- like
1: seven months since we've done
2: this.
4: At long last. Yeah, if the listeners don't know, We, me and you do this quite a bit during during the year. Yeah. I, I watch ArizonaSports.com on, on the PM, and your show is, in fact, at 6 PM. It was a match made in heaven. And and look look where we both are now. We don't need any therapy for our relationship or anything. We're thriving. We're doing terrific together.
1: (laughs) Now, if you're a Rays fan, you should turn away from that TV. Also, you know, this is the other thing that struck me last night before Kevin Cash temporarily lost his mind. Is it just going to be Tampa Bay and L.A. winning every title in 2020? Because no matter what, either Tampa was going to win the World Series or L.A. And obviously the Lakers just won the uh, NBA Finals and Tampa just won the Stanley Cup. I would assume the Buccaneers have
4: a better Ooh, shot than the and Rams. They have Brady. Yeah, you're, wow, you're onto something here. Does that say something about those cities in 2020, though, and how reprehensible they are? I don't know. I like, think it does. We should do a deep dive on this. Nah. Okay.
1: <laughs> we'll just let it play out and see how it goes. Let's get to basketball. The NBA draft is in three weeks. Not. Uh, it's not typically on November. A lot of 18. people just went, really? Yeah. And they, and they Googled it. It is in three weeks, believe me. Uh, before we get into the draft, I want to ask you this, though.
4: When do you think the NBA season's going to start? Well, your timing of the question is really interesting because Sham Sharanya just tweeted less than five minutes ago that Michelle Roberts, uh, the head of the Players Association, said that if you use logic in your head and look at everything being asked to happen between now and December 22nd, you cannot logically come up (laughs) with why this makes sense. Um So it looks like there's going to be quite a bit of push and shove going between the sides on when exactly they should. I mean, December 22nd, everyone's reaction like yours, mine, someone who, who follows the league a ton like me every single day religiously to someone like you who's paying attention to it and to someone listening who like is there every now and then. Everyone's reaction was the same. Like that's soon. I, that that's real fast. I would have thought February. Honestly. Yeah, I had. I was ready for mid February to late March somewhere in there. I think that's where I was kind of planning in my head, um, emotionally to cover to cover the Suns again. But man, I I guess it's going to get pushed up a bit. But with the with the pushback and like what we've been hearing and what uh, Gambo has been saying on his show specifically talking to people in the league about what they think about the date. I think that the league will slowly back away from the table and be like, "We were just kidding. We were just just messing around. We were just joking with
1: you." I don't know. I emotionally, Kellen, I don't think I can wait till March. Like, y- yeah, you can, you can let me. Football season can take me to basketball and hockey season. That's fine. But if hockey's kind of wavering on January right now, and it's uh, that would be February then, and
4: basketball's not going to be till March if that's even a possibility. I know. I
1: can't. I can't do it.
4: We're kind of almost relying on it, strangely. It's going to be a weird kind of zone for the sports season. I don't know where baseball's at. Hockey was like supposed to be November 1st or December 1st or something like that. Start I, I, of some I'm, month, maybe I'm January? guessing January. I'm January? guessing a shorter season in okay. January. So we'll get hockey back in January. Guess. But yeah, the sports schedule, once football is over, that could be in a really weird place, back to kind of where we were in, uh, I guess, like April, May, June, when like nothing was going yeah, on. See? and We were just waiting for people to return, so there's definitely an opening there, but I think the most important thing they want to do is not face off with the Olympics um, during the height of their season, which would be like the playoffs and stuff. If they took a normal amount of time and they don't condense the schedule, they're looking at the playoffs being against the Olympics, which is a bad thing, and and they'll say they want their players to compete in the Olympics, which I'm sure they do, but they don't want to face the Olympics in the ratings. They'll get slaughtered, and they're coming off of, uh, like a lot of these leagues have been, they're coming off of record low numbers, and... That certainly factors into the equation. This thing they call money. Mm. You're saying this is important? Explain. Not for me, but no. I mean, <laughs> to, to every person, it depends. Not uh, It depends what industry you get into. I, I guess. don't care how much money the NBA does and doesn't make. Oh, they should, actually, let me clarify. They should make enough so I can keep writing about oh, Other than saying, that, I think you're saying money doesn't matter to you. 500, 600, 700 million, wherever it lands. Go, <laughs> Go ahead. Um, okay, so with the draft coming up in three weeks, you guys,
1: you and uh, Kevin Zimmerman, have your. Empire of the Suns big board up on ArizonaSports.com right, sure right now, and I'm going to let you clarify this, but this is not just a ranking
4: of all the best players, this is ranking best fits for the Suns? Correct. Okay. It's, it's factoring in, it's basically if you handed me and Kevin our own big board, and those are just mine, by the way. Uh, my name is on it, Kevin would have his own rankings, um, if, that, if that was a, a thing, it's more of my thing to be a psycho in rank them like that and get yelled (laughs) at for having a guy at six instead of 11 or whatever. Um, You get yelled at when you're right. So I don't know why you still do these things. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, yeah, it's factoring in all those types of things. And if you read the piece, you'll see numerous um, references to the types of players. James Jones goes after, because that's something that's a lot of, uh, I guess I can just say the word fun um, about covering the Suns now is that when Ryan McDonough was a head, was the general manager with that new head coach every season, we never got a feel for like what a Phoenix Suns player was. Like You heard so many times about the Miami Heat culture and the type of players they go after. We haven't had that about the Suns in a long time ever since back in the 7 Seconds or Less era, probably. Now we know the types of players they like. James reiterates time after time, including today on an event with fans what they look for in a player so there are certain guys we can look at someone like desmond bain out a tcu for example is someone who's rated in the back of the first round but it would not surprise me at all if he was the pick at number 10 just because he's a four-year player he does a lot of really smart stuff on the court he's got an elite skill which is his shooting but he makes a lot of smart plays on the floor consistently he's an underrated passer underrated defender um, and, there, and there are just a couple of other guys you look at in there like devin vassell uh, that link up well with what they like is it safe to say that this year, of
1: all years, you know, the Suns picking 10th, there wasn't an NCAA tournament. There was a, yeah. a, a truncated NBA and NCAA season. I mean, it, it, this seems like it would lend itself to a better opportunity to maybe get a steal at 10 or 15 or 20 or whatever in the draft because it, it's like everybody has an incomplete resume.
4: It's Interesting to think about how much this is going to, how much all of this is going to change this draft. There are so many different angles you can tackle it from. One of them is that teams have had almost too much time now. Um, they're bored. They already know their guys. They, they don't need to go back and watch more film right now. Like Maybe there are teams that were behind and this is benefiting them and catching up, but most front offices are pretty much ready and they're ready to go right now. But you look at a guy, uh, to bring up another name on the big board, I love Grant Riller. He's a four-year guard out of Charleston. He was extremely productive, extremely efficient. He's the second-best scorer in the draft behind Anthony Edwards, who might be the number one pick, in my opinion. Um, he's a guy that's ranked outside of the first round for most people I think he's a top 10-15 prospect in this class but something that's really hurting him that's the type of guy where you're you are an agent and you know your guy is better than the guys being ranked ahead of him you want him in those group workouts just terrorizing those guys and them going oh the front office is going whoa did you hear about Riller in Atlanta and what he did to Tyrese Maxey and Tyrell Terry and all these guys he's not getting that opportunity anymore because there are no more group workouts there are individual workouts taken taking place front offices are allowed to see a total of 10 prospects but the group workouts are gone so that really impacts how you see guys certainly separate themselves i i know book was a guy who in all of his group workouts across the league let alone in phoenix was where he really stood out and just what he was doing to guys in those workouts you do learn a lot from those and you don't want to like overreact too much but at the same time we're not getting those in this draft and it's going to be Really erratic, and, and like I said, it might lead to some teams overthinking it and believing that this is a workout guy. We just had to believe that he would have done that, like you can say about Grant Reeler. Yeah,
1: uh, real quick before we uh we let you go here, Daryl Morey going to be the president of operation basketball operations for the 76ers. That is an interesting fit just because they do things so differently in, in a lot of ways than the uh the Houston Rockets have. Does this mean
4: major personnel changes for the Sixers? Like is Joel Embiid potentially somebody to get moved? I'm looking more at Tobias Harris and Al Horford. Those are two giant contracts that you have to get rid of for Maury to go out and get his types of players and play his type of system. Everyone thinks about three point shooting with him and, and, and that's obvious, but it's more about having one player and having proper spacing around that player and allowing him as much space as possible to do what he's going to do it, the, there was a strange misconception in the morning that like this meant Ben Simmons' time is over. Morey likes efficiency, and Ben Simmons is the best player in the league at taking the ball from the perimeter and getting it to the bucket and scoring. Yeah, He had nearly 70% of his total shots at the rim. That is just an insanely high number. That's a really high number even for a big man. And he was doing it as this perimeter ball handler. And he shot 70% there, too, which is a really, really high number, too. More is going to look at a guy like that and build around him. But I think the question you're asking is, how do you keep spacing the floor for a guy like that with shooters when you have Joel Embiid wanting the ball down low? I don't know. I think if if I had to make a call right now, it's like Embiid is more likely to go. Uh, than Simmons and Simmons is also one of the best defensive players in the league. Like that's really valuable to have and you could get a whole lot for Embiid because when he's on, he's one of the five best players in the league and even if he's not, he's still 10-15. fifteen. He's got a lot of value. And I
1: mean I would assume if you if you do go down that path at some point, you're obviously gonna have to bring in stars if you're right? Daryl
4: Morey. So I mean there is a it's a very interesting move for him because the last front office went right now. They're like, we need to get a third star right now. We think it's Tobias Harris. We're going to give him $30 million a year. Oops. (laughs) We think we need actually that fourth guy, too, in that veteran presence. Here's $40 million a year, whatever it was for Al Horford. Oops. They whiffed on both of those guys, and now they went all in, and now Maury's going to want to tread back a little bit while still being a winning team and being a playoff team, but he's going to reshuffle. Is there a trade out there that's possible where he not only gets rid of those salaries, but in return gets someone? It's really fascinating because we weren't looking at philly as a logical team that's going to make a big move but now with that you're like oh man like are they a bradley Beal team for example are yeah. they are they a team that's going to look at all these guys that could be on the trade market like someone like gordon hayward victor oladipo what about kelly Oubre? like does he does he interest them like there, there's so many different players who could be on the move this offseason and to kind of like tease the end here of our discussion the number one thing that you keep hearing about just with everything coming up, the draft and free agency is think about when the last time as an NBA trade was. It was the trade deadline in February. That was eight months ago. And it feels like And it's going to be nine months ago on the draft. And, like, it's just, like, it seems like we're just going to take off from there, and it's going to be, like, a ride. So I don't want to get people too excited, like, there's going to be just a Woj bomb every three seconds, but (laughs) it kind of sounds like there's going to be a million Woj bombs happening at once all over the place, and that's really exciting to hear about. Yeah, that's even, to me, the trades are even more exciting than free agency, because free agency kind of, after a while,
1: can kind of tell where somebody's probably going to go. I mean, yeah. Well, which is obviously still doing pretty well for himself because of free agency, but the trades are, are much more He's going to be a busy man. He's yeah. going to be a busy man. So are you, Kellen. Thanks for, uh, this is probably the last time we'll get to talk to you because you're going to be so busy now for the next three weeks. Never busy enough for you, friend. Well, all right, then you're back next week. Yay. We'll come back with hour number two of the show next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM,
0: Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. Hour number two
1: of the show, live from the ak Community Studios. Luke Lipinski here, Cody Fincher behind the glass. It is the Rundown Reload. Thanks to Kellen Olsen for stopping in last segment. Give us a little update on the Suns three weeks away from their draft. We'll start the Reload with the World Series. As I have noted, maybe I should just get up and change the channel. It's, it's, it's replaying on one of the TVs in here, and as I was doing the segment there with Kellen... Tampa Bay did in fact opt to pull Blake Snell before they should have again in the bottom of the sixth inning at the end of the day were the Dodgers the best team in Major League Baseball this year yeah I heard Dave Burns mention this earlier and I thought he was just spot on when he said it deep down even though none of us want the Dodgers to win deep down we knew they were going to win at some point with this group right I mean they were knocking on the door and knocking on the door and then they add Mookie Betts so if they didn't do it this year, it just it felt like it was inevitable. If they only get one with this group, and, and I don't know that we're going to be that fortunate, but if they only get one, I'd rather they get the one in the 60-game season. I don't think there should be an asterisk next to it. it. It would be different to me if if like the Orioles had won the World Series because 16 teams made the playoffs and they got in sub-500 and they were the eighth seed and then got hot or something. Uh, but the two... Two best teams in baseball met in the World Series. How often does that even happen? And they had to go through an additional round of, of playoffs. The Dodgers, everything they had to prove over the last few years has been in the playoffs. So it's not like if the season was 162 games, they would have missed the postseason. Whatever. Good for them. I hope they lose next year.
2: I don't think there should be an asterisk neither, either because everyone had the same opportunity It besides bull. I was going to say everyone played the same amount of games, but the Marlins and Cardinals didn't. But <laughs> but they they got was, in. Yeah, they got in the playoffs. But I just I just think you know at least the Dodgers won the World Series in a year that everyone's going to try to forget. Yep, really. Twenty
1: twenty. That's, that's for so many reasons. That will get us to our second story. You know, yes, twenty twenty is a year everybody's trying to forget. This baseball season was so strange because. Again, I mean, I remember hopping on over on ninety two three to talk about whether or not baseball was going to come back over on our on our news station here, talking about if baseball was going to come back, if they were going to be able to agree to to you know how they were going to do it and get the owners and players on the same page. And that feels like a decade ago. It was four months ago that we were having those conversations. Now the season's over. I mean, what was opening night was Nationals Yankees, and the game got rain shortened. And even that feels like it was forever ago. And it was basically three months. It was like three months and two days ago. So it's... Yeah, I'm sure if you're a Dodgers fan, you don't care. You'll just take the World Series. But I also, I do wonder, I mean, if I was a Dodgers fan, I probably would have rather won last year than this year for the, the reason that you just said. And And to sort of symbolize all of it, the whole Justin Turner debacle after the game and during the game, which I still don't understand how you can test positive in the middle of a game that defeats the whole purpose. I mean, honestly, at that point, why even pull him out of the game if he's already played and he's already been around all these guys? But I, I, I get the uh, the spirit of what they did of, okay, this guy's tested positive. We got to get him off the field as quickly as possible. So I, I do understand that. I say, I say why even pull him sort of tongue in cheek because he was out there for the first six innings. Uh, but, uh, but I do understand the, the spirit of, okay, get him off the field. But if you're going to do that, you have to keep him off the field. I heard somebody say on... I think it was on Get Up this morning with uh, with Mike Greenberg. And it wasn't him that said it. It was, it was his guest. Um, but they were saying, if you leave it up to the player, which it kind of sounds like is what happened, he's going to run back out on the field and celebrate with his teammates. He's never won the World Series before. He may not be on the Dodgers next year, actually, Justin Turner. So... Yeah, if you leave him unsupervised or you leave him with people that are like, ah, go ahead, you it's going to be fun, then he's going
2: to end up back out on the field, and that's exactly what happened. We'll never know what actually went down, but that statement that MLB released, Justin Turner refused to comply. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if he refused, he should have been escorted back to his isolation area. Yeah, they, right?
1: they they absolutely. They make oh, it they were just like, "Okay. Go ahead." They make it sound like he like was just dragging MLB officials out there on the field and he's like some sort of super villain or something. He had to have. And we talk about one of the strangest nights in Major League history. He goes into the game they're, they're facing Blake Snell, and none of them can get a hit off him. So they probably, at some point in the back of their mind, I mean, they're competitors, they expect to win. But in the back of their mind, I really do think that some of them had that belief of, we may need to win this in Game 7 because Snell's just dealing tonight. Then Snell gets pulled. You take the lead. If you remember Turner's last at bat, he almost hit it out. So he's got the emotion of, like, oh, this is going to be a home run. Actually, it was caught. Oh, but we're still leading. Hey, by the way, Justin, you tested positive, so you have to leave in the middle of the game. I'm sure he was like, what? Dodgers win. He's like, I can't go out there and celebrate. He does run out there and celebrate. And now, a lot of people aren't very happy with Justin Turner because he just ran out there and exposed everybody that was on. I mean, that that is so much worse than he played in the game and he was near the catcher and the umpire and maybe he was near the, the first baseman if he got on base. He was on top of everybody after that game. Such a strange ending to
2: such a strange season. And then Rob Manfred got booed and I think he was... For some reason, shocked he was getting booed. <laughs> it's, I'm like, whoa. It was a Roger Goodell esque boo. Uh, Rob Manford is. He is. Then uh, he was slurring his words up at like the podium and everything. And apparently, and I've seen a Mythbusters episode about this. Okay. In, I, in his, he was wearing earpieces yeah. and he was hearing audio of himself on a delay, which renders you incapable of speaking it, i have tried to record podcasts yeah, where that has happened to me you. Yeah. you can't talk and mythbusters tried it too <laughs> yeah i love that show by the way and they tried speaking with hearing themselves in delay and they just sound like fools well people
1: were legitimately worried about rob manfred's health it sounded like something was really wrong with him last night and i, I was trying to think as he was talking i was like i mean, i've heard rob manfred talk plenty before he sounds just fine so what is going on tonight but you're right I mean, when I first got into this industry, everybody else that, that is a host that does a show and, and you know, even you know, working for the Coyotes at that time, it's, it's you. Um, to me, I was like, I can't believe you guys have to hear yourself in your headphones to be able to do this. Like, I don't I don't even need headphones. I was like, whatever. I can hear myself talk just out to the open air. But once you get used to it and you get used to having the headphones on, it's even it'll throw you off as a professional if you can't hear yourself in your headphones. It is a thousand times worse if you are hearing yourself, but on a slight delay. At that point, you just take the earpiece out, or I would certainly take the headphones off if it was happening in this uh, this studio. Over to football, Kyler Murray is your NFC Offensive Player of the Week for the second time in the last three weeks. There's some pretty good offensive players in the NFC, so uh, congratulations to Kyler Murray on pulling that off, and the uh, <laughs> future just continues to look better and better for the Arizona Cardinals. Future not looking all so great for the Big Ten at the moment. They're going to cancel the Wisconsin-Nebraska game this weekend. Of course, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 were the two uh, Power Five conferences that waited to start their season. And totally respect that, especially the Pac-12 with everything that's going on with the wildfires and everything. I mean, they, they had to push the start of their season back on top of all the virus stuff. But the reason there's a local tie-in from the Wisconsin-Nebraska game is we're seeing in the Big Ten now what one of the Pac-12's bigger fears is. This is not like Major League Baseball earlier this season where the Marlins had to miss a week, so they played a bunch of doubleheaders later on. Or even in the NFL where the Titans had to miss that week, so they moved their bye week up and they played the Steelers just this past week instead of week four. In the Big Ten and also in the Pac-12, if a game has to get postponed, that's just it. They're not going to be able to play it. There's no wiggle room in the schedule because they just started in mid-October. And for the Pac-12, they're not starting until next Saturday, like a week and a half from now. So if anything comes up where a team is unable to play a game, that game's just getting scrapped completely. And Pac-12 teams are only playing a six-game. I mean, they will all play a seventh game, but they
2: only have a six-game schedule set right now anyway. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, I kind of wanted to see that fourth-string quarterback play for Wisconsin. (laughs) You know, if
1: that's really, if if they could have continued the game safely and just had that, me too. Why not? (laughs) People would have tuned in just for that. Absolutely. It's like in the NHL, they had to pull the emergency goalie in in a, a Maple Leafs game last year. It was a Zamboni driver at the arena, and he won. He beat Toronto. What?! He was Toronto's Zamboni driver. They were in Toronto. The way the emergency backup goalie system works in the NHL, if your starters hurt and your backups hurt, you don't carry a third goalie with you most times. So the third goalie, there's like an all-time goalie at every arena that has like played hockey growing up where he's like an adult league player or whatever. And you, it never gets to that point where that guy has to play. But earlier, I think that was
2: this year. That was, sounds it was, it was so made season. up. He- so so to be a Zamboni driver at an arena, you have to have played hockey no, before no, no. Well, and have experience playing hockey. He just happened to
1: be the Zamboni driver for their minor league team, which plays. They practice like right across the street and all that stuff. But he was technically Toronto's minor league team Zamboni driver and he stepped
2: in and beat I'm gonna, them. I'm going to apply to be a Zamboni driver to see if... <laughs> okay, required. Three to five years of adult league hockey experience. Well,
1: not in Toronto. They probably want you to be no good so they can win next time. Austin Matthews couldn't score on that. So them
2: if you're world. in Toronto and anywhere in Canada, if you haven't played hockey, what
1: are you they, doing? They, they boot you out of the country anyway. And, and finally, Daryl Morey, uh, new 76ers president of Basketball Ops. We just talked to uh, Kellen Olsen about that. Interesting to see how that shifts things. I mean, there were a lot of I think probably at the time, unfounded rumors of James Harden to the 76ers someday. That was like a month ago. <laughs> now Daryl Moore is the GM. I don't know. Or the, the president of basketball ops, rather. Um, we'll see. All right, when we come back, it's time for a round of This or That. It's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.
1: I love the uh, game show music you have for our games because it always makes me feel like I'm going to win a prize and then I realize that I'm not eligible to win any prizes here. All right, it is time for a round of This or That. It's a very simple game. I'm going to give Cody a scenario and two options. It's like multiple choice, but for those of us that don't like a complicated life. So multiple choice, but only two possible answers. But the catch is, and Cody's going to do the same thing back to me. We're going to go back and forth here. Um... The, the catch is either they're both really great options, usually, or they're both horrible options, usually. <laughs> it's not meant to be easy in that regard. But there's only two. So it might not be easy, but at least it is
2: simplified. You want to ask first or do you want to answer first? I'll ask first since you ended last segment on my first question. Oh. The 76ers and Daryl Morey have agreed that he will be the next... President of basketball operations. By the way, there's going to be a lot of cooks in that kitchen. Mm. There's still Elton Brand, who's going to be the GM. There's Doc Rivers, who had GM capabilities in LA. That's going to be fun. And all and, of Brian Colangelo's burner accounts on Twitter. Yeah. And you were talking about how the James Harden rumor started up. So I have. Okay, I'm already breaking the rules because you said <laughs> there's only two. If you're the Sixers, would you rather have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid? James Harden and Ben Simmons or James Harden and Joel Embiid, which pair would you choose?
1: Okay, so it's basically... One's which getting traded for the other. You can have two of the three, Harden, Simmons, or Embiid, right? Is that's yes. what you're saying? Yes. Um, Harden is one of them for sure. Harden and Simmons. Okay. So I think i go Harden okay. and Simmons. Uh, and a lot, you know, actually, Kellen just made a great point when we had him on last hour. Specifically for the way Daryl Morey likes to run his team Ben Simmons makes a lot of sense Because he is such an efficient player Now Ben Simmons can't shoot But he knows that and He so makes he just like
2: one the, three a year
1: Yeah So, But but he's aware of it So he just gets to the rim And just shoots from there Which is <laughs> more power to him Whatever It doesn't matter if you can't hit three pointers If you never get stuck shooting them Okay I actually have five for you What? Yeah um, Okay Well, will just go with Just a very This is just your own personal philosophy Okay great would you rather win your most important fantasy league that you're in, huh. or have the Cardinals make the playoffs? Oh but they lose. <laughs> they lose in the first round.
2: Knowing that they would lose, yes, I would rather win my most important fantasy league. How far, like, how far would the Cardinals have to go? Would
1: I say if I said the Cardinals won but they lost in the second round? Would that change anything, or would they have to get to the Super Bowl?
2: Well, still knowing they lose. What if you just
1: didn't know? What if I said they make the playoffs, but they're the 7th seed? Oh, boy.
2: I would probably go with the playoff. Cardinals making the playoffs. Okay. Okay. Knowing they lose is not worth me losing money. (laughs) That's fair. All right. All right. My next one. I don't know if you saw this, but the other day, Trevor Lawrence said that he's not 100% sure if he'll be going back to Clemson or declaring for the NFL draft after this college football season. Mm. Um, most likely because the Jets are going to have the number one overall pick. So if you, if you Luke Lipinski, were Trevor Lawrence, first of all, you'd have a terrific head of hair. It's true. Would you rather enter the draft this year and play for the Jets or go back to Clemson? Is Adam Gay still the coach? No.
1: Here's here's the thing. I first of all, Trevor Lawrence is definitely entering the draft this year. He can say whatever he wants. I fully get the logic of like I don't want to go. I, I, I don't want to go play for a team that is dysfunctional and incompetent. And the Jets are both of those things right now, absolutely. And this goes back to the age old debate of like if Tom Brady had never ended up on the Patriots, he had spent his whole career on the Browns. I'm sure he still would have been good, but would he have been the greatest quarterback of all time? No, probably not. So, as a quarterback, you do want to end up in a situation that's at least not horrible, but you also can't risk a whole other year of potential injury and money that you could have uh, made. And it's not like the NBA where they say, like, oh, this guy's 23 instead of 22, so we're not even going to draft him. But you got to,
2: especially after this season where it's like nothing is given, nothing's guaranteed anymore. When I wrote this question, I immediately thought of Sam Bradford. Who went back to Oklahoma and tore his ACL and yeah. missed the whole season. And he ended up being the number one pick anyway. But still, yeah. he he went back and got hurt, and that could have affected his future dramatically. Yeah. You just can't. I mean, Tua went, you know, the injury he had
1: last year, he ended up s- still being a high draft pick. And obviously, he's getting his first NFL start this weekend, but, uh, there was talk when he got hurt that it might be career-ending. There, He was going to be the number one pick if, if you if you had held – see, how can I say this? If you had held the 2020 draft a year and a half earlier, you know what I mean? Like, before they went into the 2019 college football season, 2 was the number one pick, and that really only changed because he got hurt. Uh, okay, along those lines, you're building a team. Okay. Joe
2: Burrow, Justin Herbert. Joe Burrow. Is it close for you? Yes. Okay. Seeing Justin Herbert now in the NFL, yes. If you had asked me without seeing either of them in the NFL, I would have, it's not close, Joe yeah. Burrow, but I'd, I'd still take Joe Burrow. I just think he's a better player.
1: Yeah. Uh, he was number one pick for a reason, and he's living up to it so far, although he's not getting a ton of help from his offensive line. But what would
2: you say, Herbert? Were you going to say Herbert?
1: I would still say Burrow, mm-hmm. but it's, it's really close. Herbert's, if you haven't watched the Chargers out there, Take a look this weekend. I mean, the Cardinals aren't playing, so why not watch the Chargers game? Uh, or you'll see him on Red Zone, I guess. He's he's oh, a good. fun quarterback. Yeah, coach. I have
2: to pay attention to Keenan Allen again. That's fun. <laughs> that's that's the, uh, the, the, yeah, that's your own personal torture <laughs> all season. <laughs> all right, my next one. Unfortunately, the Dodgers won the World Series last night. What? Thank you, Kevin Cash. Uh, so, would you rather... The Dodgers win three of the next four World Series championships, but the D-backs win one of those, or would you rather the Dodgers not win any of those championships the next four years, but it also means the D-backs don't win any? (sighs) Would you sacrifice three... Dodger championships for one D-backs World Series. This is a a tougher question because the
1: Dodgers are on this TV in here celebrating. (laughs) Um, No, if if the D-backs, if you're telling me the D-backs win one of the next four World Series,
2: I'll take it. I would too. I'll take it. Because you could say, well, we also won one in those those years, so... And plus, I mean, there's, at that point, there's no debate that the
1: NOS is the toughest division in right, baseball right. If, if all the World Series champions are coming out of there. it has got to be a better way, though, than the Dodgers winning three <laughs> of the next four. Uh, okay, well, then along those lines, you can you can do one of the next two things. You can okay. take LeBron off the Lakers, or you can take Mookie off the Dodgers. Which one are you doing? I would
2: take Mookie off the Dodgers, yeah. uh, mainly because I'm a bigger baseball fan than basketball fan anyway. And the Western Conference, it's much larger for the Phoenix Suns than the NL West is for the Diamondbacks. So I And Mookie Betts is easily top three in baseball. I would rather take him off the Dodgers well, than he, LeBron. He's signed for like 12 more years, yes. too, isn't he? I don't know how much longer blank uh, who am I saying? Bland? <laughs> I, I don't Bland. know. Bland. But I'm interested to hear. LeBron. Oh. I don't know how much longer he's going to play. <laughs> I know that Mookie Betts is probably going to play the next, at least the next 10 seasons for the Dodgers. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, that's awful. Sucks.
1: Why are we doing this to ourselves? This is terrible. All right. What do you got?
2: Um. All right. So today, during a Zoom presser, Rob Gronkowski was asked about how he's fitting into Tampa Bay's offense and how he's coming along with Brady in the new system. And then he went on some rant about maple syrup and butter and pancakes. I I don't really understand what he's talking about. (laughs) I I closed the video because I couldn't even just... I'm like, I don't know what's going on. But it got me thinking. Pancakes or waffles?
1: Okay. Good question. I'm glad you asked. I have been on some sort of waffle kick over the last couple weeks. So are we just going the most basic version of each? Like you're just saying... Okay. No
2: chocolate chips, no blueberries, no nothing. So just... Pancake syrup. or waffle with maple syrup butter and, and butter syrup. on it. Uh, waffle. Me too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. I, I really yep. actually I thought you were going to get angry. No. and Say something about pancakes. I,
2: I don't. I not a pancake person. In the there right are certain situation. places that make them really good, and I'll eat them. Yeah. But like most of the time, it's just eh, I don't know. It's
1: got to be too right soggy. place, right time. And the other thing is, pancakes must cost like four cents to make because that is the one thing where like. You will order You know how like If you feel like I had like an avocado with that It's $47 at some places Pancakes You'll get Like you'll order a, a thing of pancakes And it'll be 17 pounds Of pancake There's a point Where it's too much I don't We know gave you, you 17
2: pancakes
1: Yeah Even if they're good That's too
2: much Now Pancakes pan- need the additional Like fruit and the icing And stuff Pancakes Waffles Or french toast Uh french toast French toast yeah. every time yeah. Yeah. Me too yeah. That one's that's, that's a lot less close I love French toast. Uh, now I'm I'll go hungry. to a certain international house of something and order French toast and not the pancakes.
1: <laughs> and just brazenly flaunt the rules and everybody's <laughs> Uh Okay, we'll close on this one. This is just for you specifically. I know some people are like, oh, that's a ridiculous question. But knowing how angry you were last night, Cody. I was very angry. The Diamondbacks make the playoffs, okay? But Kevin Cash manages them. Ah! Or the Cardinals make the playoffs, but Adam Gase manages them. Just, just this is just for the playoffs. Oh my god! So the Cardinals are in a playoff game, but Adam Gase can you still win despite Adam Gase?
2: I, oh boy, <laughs> I think I would rather have Kevin Cash. Yeah, because I think he is because a good manager. that was a all-time blunder of a mistake last night but i think he would do it again that's my concern with yeah but i've seen more of adam Gase be terrible than kevin cash yeah be terrible oh man that's a tough question i would think i'd have to go with kevin cash as the manager because also i don't think the d-backs would be run exactly like the rays are anyway but
1: Cash is the right answer. That's the one question we did where there was like a definitive right answer. I just wanted to see how angry you were at Kevin Cash after
2: last I'm still angry. I just... I wouldn't... I, just, I, I, I I don't want to even think where the Cardinals would be if they had hired Adam Gase instead of Cliff Kingsbury.
1: Well, yeah, and remember, the Jets wanted Cliff Kingsbury and got yeah. Adam Gase, yep. and that's why the caveat was not for a season. It was just, you're already in the playoffs, but Cliff needs to go do Cliff things somewhere, and so Gase has to step in, and you would just be trying to win despite your coach. yeah I want to get back into the Cardinals here real quick. Vance Joseph... Today We really haven't heard from him since that uh, big win over the Seahawks, and he had a lot to say, uh, starting with Isaiah Simmons stepping in there on that play. It, was, it wasn't just crazy that he had the interception. It was crazy that he was on the field at all. He was. You know, we all had the same experience, I think, watching it. Isaiah Simmons was like the last player on my mind as the Seahawks had the ball there in overtime, so Vance Joseph was asked, how did that play come about?
0: Well, we had a bunch of you know good calls on third downs, but the problem in the first half we only had three third downs. It was first and ten and second and short the entire first half. You know, so our third down package wasn't uh, you know wasn't alive until the second half of the football game. You know, so we had a bunch of calls from that package that we couldn't get to. You know, but obviously in the third and fourth quarter we played better on first and second down and we forced more third downs, and that's when the package came alive. But uh, we knew it was going to work uh, just because of the history of. You know, both play callers, you know, so um, I wasn't surprised when it worked, but uh, sometimes it just falls to you that way and it's perfect timing.
1: The Cardinals, for whatever you, if you like Vance Joseph or not, the Cardinals defensively this season have been really good at getting off the field on third downs. And they weren't in the, the first half because as you heard, just heard him say right there, the first half of the game against Seattle, Seattle was just scoring all the time. There, there weren't even third downs. Second half and overtime, Seattle had a total of seven points. So the Cardinals did adjust at halftime, which you like to see. And other than the Carolina game, they've been pretty consistently good defensively at getting off the field on third down. And that's one of those stats that it's not like it's not a headline grabber. Um, you don't know what all the teams are in that regard. Like a lot of times, you'll know like who's the best in the NFL at, at, at delivering at getting sacks or whatever, or forcing turnovers, or who's the best passing offense. I'm, I'm guessing most people aren't like, "Hey, who's number one in getting off the field on third down? Oh goody, It's whoever Tennessee, I don't think it is. That just proves my point. nobody knows. but um it's it's one of those it's one of those things over the course of a season that that really helps your defense out and really helps you win football games. And so like I said, whether you like Vance Joseph or you, you, you believe in him or not as your defensive coordinator, his team has been very good at that this season other than the Carolina game. All right, when we come back, we will wrap up the show with a little fantasy football. Which players are rising? Which players are falling? Heading into Week 8, that's next. It's The Rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown,
0: 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.
2: Since it
1: is Wednesday and since Week 8 of the NFL season kicks off tomorrow night... The uh, Atlanta Carolina Thursday night game figured it would be a good time to do a little fantasy football. And instead of sitting here talking about our teams or talking about how Patrick Mahomes is good, we're going to give you, each of us, has one rising quarterback running back wide receiver and one falling quarterback running back wide receiver. Let's start with falling. One, two. Okay. The Dodgers just won the World Series. Let's be Everything's terrible. (laughs) There we go. Uh, I'm going to go first, okay? because I fear we may have the same quarterback. Cam Newton. Um, I'm not sure that was Cam Newton the last two weeks out there. He looks so bad that earlier this week, he suggested uh, that he is absolutely aware of the fact he might get benched. Now, the backups are what? Jarrett Stidham and Brian Hoyer in New England? Cam Newton to me is the definition of falling because the first couple weeks of the season, if you had taken him in your fantasy draft, and again, this is this is mainly just for fantasy purposes, but Cam Newton's actually been so bad the last couple weeks, he's transcended both uh, fantasy and real life. The first couple weeks of the season, you were in a great spot because you probably got Cam in, I don't know, the 8th, ninth, 10th round, maybe even later, and he was producing... Not so much the last two weeks um, against, what, Denver two weeks ago. And then last week, it it doesn't even feel like he he was bounce-passing the ball to some of his receivers. He was sailing the ball over. I I don't know. I I don't know what's going on with Cam Newton. That's such a precipitous drop-off right in the middle of the season. But if you run a fantasy team and Cam's been your quarterback, I'm guessing you probably shouldn't start him this weekend until you actually see him play football again.
2: All right. My falling quarterback is ben roethlisberger of the pittsburgh steelers really yes he has not been very good his last two games i just went by his last two games he has only scored just 10.98 points and 12.62 points in his last two games he's fallen to uh 22nd overall amongst qb's And he's got to face Baltimore next week. That's not great. He does face Dallas the week after that, so that might be good. But I don't know. The Steelers are winning games. Uh, They're still the only undefeated team in the league. But Ben Roethlisberger hasn't really been chucking the ball all over the field.
1: Yeah, that's a good call. I mean, if, if you're playing fantasy football, you don't really care if the guy's team wins if he's not producing. What did you say? 22 total points over the last two weeks? Just that's, about,
2: yeah. With de- Some decimals in there. That's nothing for a, a quarterback. He's actually been dropped in 15 points. Uh, he's been dropped, yeah, in 15.7% of leagues that's recently. That's surprising because you look at all the weapons he has mm-hmm. in the passing game.
1: Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I mean, if you're not producing, you're not producing and that's that's one of the scariest ones because like you said the Steelers are still undefeated so they don't need him to change anything. They're fine with him getting you 10 pa- uh, fantasy points a week. What do they care? Right. Uh running back, we didn't do
2: we do our rising quarterback?
1: No, we're just going to do all falling.
2: Oh, we're doing all falling. It's yeah. yeah. wonderful.
1: We'll start falling we'll Wonderful. close the show on a high hind- note. Okay, great. Um I'm going to go with Devin Singletary, Buffalo. He's just getting less and less carries each week. And if you don't follow the Buffalo Bills closely, okay. But if you're playing fantasy football, you should at least be aware that they did draft a rookie out of Utah and Zach Moss that is supposed to be really – he was excellent at Utah. And he's been hurt for a while. Singletary just never ran away with the job, no pun intended. His last three games, he's rushed for 25 yards, 32 yards, and 29 yards. Just nothing. And one of those games is against the Jets. I mean, that is that's the definition of falling. Last week against the Jets, he got eight carries for 29 yards. He's doing nothing. Zach Moss is getting the ball more. That's that's falling.
2: Uh, my falling running back is Oakland. Or Oakland, haha. <laughs> Las Vegas Raiders oh. running back Josh Jacobs. Uh he has not rushed for a hundred yards in a single game this year. The closest he's gotten was week one against the Carolina Panthers, where he rushed for ninety-three yards and three touchdowns. In his last uh in his last five games, he has just two touchdown runs. And he has scored over 10 points in just one of his last four games, which was against the Kansas City Chiefs, where he had 23 carries for seven, 77 yards and two touchdowns. Wow. For 22.5 points. Other than that, his last four games, he got 9.3 points against the Patriots. 10.3 against the Bills, and then last week against uh, this past week against Tampa Bay, just ten carries for 17 yards for six point one points, and he also has an injury. He's dealing with a knee injury going into this week against the Cleveland Browns. And their whole offensive line missed that game against Tampa. Really? Bay, too, that might no. have had something to do with it. Who knows? But no, that, that's interesting because I wouldn't
1: even have thought that I was actually debating trading for him in a league. He was mm. so amazing. He was a really good rookie and so amazing week one against Carolina that mm-hmm. you just kind of assume, oh yeah, he's doing fine. He really hasn't been. Yep. Uh, Falling receiver, I'm going to say everybody on Tampa. (laughs) Because if you think about it, Mike Evans, they just, Tom Brady doesn't throw to him when Chris Godwin's out there for whatever reason. And now Godwin's hurt, fractured finger, so he's going to miss this week's game. So he's falling. Maybe Evans steps up for one week, but here's the thing. They also like Tyler Johnson. Tom Brady likes Scotty Miller. And Antonio Brown is going to play, it sounds like, in Week 9. So in a situation like that, are some of those guys going to have good games from week to week? Yeah, but you're not starting every Tampa Bay receiver. It'd be great to start Tom Brady, because he's throwing to all of them, obviously. But also Gronk has really come on lately, too. So in terms of an individual Tampa Bay receiver, you got to feel nervous starting any of them.
2: Yeah, I. it's funny. I specifically said Mike Evans for my falling re- receiver for basically everything you said. Uh, He's fallen down to the 21st overall ranked wide receiver. He only has three catches for 47 yards, no touchdowns in his last two games combined. There was that one game uh, yeah, against Denver in week three where he had two catches for two yards and two touchdowns. And that was okay. Uh, And like you said, he might get more looks with Chris Godwin being out. But as you said... I have it written down, too. Antonio Brown's coming in, and Gronk is looking really good. He really is. I mean, he might sound like a complete dope, but he's playing really well uh, in the last couple weeks. So, I don't know. Mike Evans, I don't think you can trust him anymore. Maybe as a flex, but... I don't know. Yeah, and that's tough because you probably took him in. I don't know. What, you the probably third round. Probably he round? was probably your wide receiver one
1: at yeah. some point. Yeah, he was the guy that like you went running back the first two rounds, figuring yep. you could just build around Mike Evans at receiver. Yeah, and it's. Tom exactly. Brady is is reviving like the 2016 NFL All Stars with Antonio Brown and, and Gronk <laughs> and Brady. So there might not be any room for Mike Evans. Right. He's getting the uh, All Madden cover team together. <laughs> Uh, he needs uh, Peyton Hillis as a running back. Oh, God. Uh, quickly to rising so we don't run out of showtime here. Carson Wentz. The Eagles have not been good. The Eagles are somehow in first place in that division. But Carson Wentz has actually, if you just go points per game, fantasy points per game, among active quarterbacks, so I'm going to take Dak out since he's done for the year. Carson Wentz is seventh over the last four uh, four weeks behind mm-hmm. you know, Kyler Murray's number one, Justin Herbert, who we talked about last week, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Ryan Tannehill, and Deshaun Watson. Carson Wentz right there, and he's playing Dallas this weekend.
2: And I also have Carson Wentz as my rising quarterback. He has eight total touchdowns in his last three games. Pretty dang good Yeah yeah. For yeah. not having any weapons Available that's, to throw to either
1: Whoever his tight end is Is also rising It's Richard Rodgers now He just throws to Whoever <laughs> his tight end is Yep uh, Running back I have two here I'll just use okay. one next. I'm guessing right. maybe You'll take the other one DeAndre Swift That was mine Oh okay Use the other one Chase Edmonds Okay there the, you go And I don't have to explain Chase Edmonds Cardinals fans have seen How he's been running And now he's going to be the starting running back for, it sounds like, at least a couple weeks. So we'll get it. And not this week, obviously, with the bye. But then they come back and face Miami. Chase
2: Edmonds, uh, if he's somehow out there in your league, pick him up. All right. DeAndre Swift was my rising running back of the Detroit Lions. He's moved up to 24th overall. Amongst running backs, he has 3 rushing touchdowns in his last 3 games. He rushed for over 100 yards against Jacksonville and he's also been involved in the in the passing game. He has 7 catches in his last 2 games. So, he's he seems like he's the lead back now in Detroit and Detroit's actually looking like a decent team. Like we we probably said we don't really believe in that team, but DeAndre Swift seems like he's getting a lot of looks.
1: Yeah, second round pick in this year's draft out of Georgia. Georgia running backs, for whatever reason, I don't know if you want to project this, but Georgia running backs do play pretty well in the NFL, and he was expected to be good. He was expected to take over the lead duty there at some point ahead of on Johnson and Adrian mm-hmm. Peterson, and he's doing it. Like whatever you happened to on Johnson? I, I wow. don't know. He was, yeah, I don't know. Detroit happened he's, to on Johnson. Missing. Uh, and wide receiver? guy didn't play last week, but he will be playing this week. I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson, another rookie. His last four games, and he's only played six in the NFL, his receiving yardage is 175, 103, 23 against (laughs) Seattle, and 166. He good. he He, He good. His last game, nine catches, 11 targets, which is huge. That's like, that's any fantasy football player will tell you, you have to look for the targets for a receiver to see, you know, it tells you how much his quarterback likes him. Nine catches on 11 targets, 166
2: yards, and two touchdowns. That's just his last game. (laughs) Yeah, he's good. Uh, My rising wide receiver is Will Fuller of the Houston Texans. He has moved up to the 12th spot in the rankings. He has a touchdown catch in five straight games. Five straight games. He's always been good. He just never can finish a season. Against the Tennessee Titans, where they have a pretty good defense. Six catches, 123 yards, and a touchdown two weeks ago. Uh, against the Vikings, they're all right. He had 108 uh, yards there, too. So, but yeah, touchdown catch in five straight. Yeah. Te- uh, the
1: Texans have been throwing. Should I? I mean, I guess I should mention because I've brought it up numerous times how much I'll never have Brandon Cooks on my team again. <laughs> He's been good now three weeks in a row. Uh oh. Are you going to start him? He, d- I've been starting him. Oh, I you started have? Last two weeks, Look at yeah. that. I was a little disappointed when I looked at my lineup this week and realized Houston's on bye. I was oh. like, oh, finally Brandon Cooks is getting into a rhythm. Whatever that and they random, give him a week yeah, off. That random quote I read that completely sold me a couple weeks ago of, of him and Deshaun Watson are on the same page. That's all it takes when you're playing fantasy football, right? You're like, I found this quote that nobody else has heard. I'll stick with Brandon Cooks. He's been good. But uh, Will Fuller has been better. All right, that is going to do it for us tonight. This is interesting timing. Uh, They're replaying the end. They've replayed the whole Cardinals game, and uh, there's 54 seconds left in overtime right now, 34-34. Much more fun than watching the Dodgers win a second time. For Cody Fincher behind the glass, thanks to you for listening. I'm Luke Lipinski. This has been The Rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station.